0: Tonight we're going to look at Matthew chapter 10. And in these first four verses we have Matthew's description of when Jesus calls his 12 disciples. And in this four verses we simply have names it may seem. But tonight what I would like to do is just do a little character sketch of these. And with those in mind, as we look at these lives that are changed because of their willing to follow Jesus and yielding to the Holy Spirit, that lives were changed and the world has never been the same since. But with that in mind, I want to ask you the question and you answer it to you and God tonight. What sort of person follows Jesus? What sort of person is Jesus looking to call to follow him? And we will see tonight that I believe we'll find our place in that calling. Matthew writes in chapter 10, beginning in verse 1 And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and manner of disease. Now, the names of the twelve apostles are these the first, Simon, who was called Peter. And Andrew, his brother, James, the sons of Zebedee and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, or Nathaniel, Thomas, Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and of course, unfortunately, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, if we read Luke's according to this calling of the disciples, of these first 12, we see that Jesus has spent the whole night in prayer. So Jesus, no doubt, gave a lot of thought to who He was going to call, and He was seeking His Father's will to be done. So you would think, after a night in prayer, Jesus would be looking for the best of the best, the few, the proud. He would look for those who would be strong in spirit, that would be great leaders, who would be done, do exactly what he says, that would be confident and according, willing to learn. But if we look at these, they're not quite that way. But what made these men different is they said yes to Jesus. We see here is that, in verse one, we see they are called disciples, and then in verse two they are, give, I mean disciples, and then in verse two, they are called apostles. A disciple is one that's a learner or a student. An apostle is one that's given authority to go and carry a message out, and they were given authority here to cast out unclean spirits and to heal all manner of weakness and all manner of disease. They were given this power not to say, look at me, but they were given this power to show everybody that Jesus was the Son of God. And when we're called to follow Jesus, the same Spirit indwells us for the simple purpose so that we can show others that Jesus is the Son of God. It's not who we are, but it's who's in us that makes this difference in our calling to be able to do that. He takes these ordinary men who you think would be extraordinary, men of high standing, of integrity and courage, and spend all night in prayer, but we have them described as often lacking faith and courage and commitment and power and not being humbled at all. So I want to take just a moment to remind us that these men, along with those that are mentioned in Acts chapter 7 of Paul and Silas, that was brought before the leaders and said, these men are turning the world upside down. That's what a follower of Jesus Christ does. He turns the world upside down. And if you get serious about following Jesus, He'll turn your world upside down. But that's only when your world's upside right. Because that's why we should be doing those things. So if you will, go with me just a moment and let's look at these men and see what Jesus saw and what Jesus did. First, we have Simon Peter. And what's the first thing you think of when you think of Peter? Denied Christ. How you like to be out through history that when somebody said your name, it had a negative connotation that you denied the Son of God not once, not twice? but three times. See, Simon Peter has something we all are guilty of, and that's foot and mouth disease. Sometimes we just open our mouth and whatever appears, it comes out there. And Peter was known to be boastful and proud in all those things, but yet he was also the first one to commit that Jesus was the Son of God. He was also that one who stood up for Jesus in the garden and protected Him. And he was also the one that would later deny Jesus, but he also became the mouth that would preach down Pentecost and the church would be born. What made a difference in a man who, who had trouble with his mouth now become the mouthpiece of the church? It was when Jesus said, follow me, he said, yes. He comm- yielded his life and said, not my way anymore. Peter was a little headstrong. You know anybody headstrong? Look in the mirror. And when you see that headstrong person, remember that even God could take someone like that and, and use him. That's a life that has been changed Because of the Holy Spirit. What a difference it would be. Now, imagine being Peter's brother. That's who we look at next, Andrew. But Andrew's one who went to him and told him about this Jesus coming. And we don't know much about him. He was a fisherman, just regular fisherman with his brother Peter. But he was more reserved. But Andrew was one of those that demonstrated a simple faith. Y'all remember when Jesus was needing to feed the 5,000 and he was asking, what are we going to do? And all that time, Andrew was out in the crowd finding that little boy that had that lunch. And he brings it to Jesus and said, can you use this? I always get funny thinking about the picture. Probably, Aunt, you, how many little boys give up their lunch real easy? That don't happen, does it? I could see Andrew chasing that little boy through the field, you know, through the crowd. And he finally brings him up there and he gives him, he says, Jesus, Can you use this? We need more disciples who say, Jesus, can you use this? What the world may see is insignificant, who may not be very much, who may not have all the bells and whistles. He's the very one that he's willing to work in. And he didn't care about being his brother Peter. He didn't care about being at the front of the room. He didn't care about that, but he simply had faith that Jesus could take whatever he gave. Imagine we as the church, and when we speak of the church, and we're not just talking about a, a congregation, but I'm talking about individual believers in Jesus Christ, simply had faith, Jesus, you can take whatever I got, and you could turn the world upside down. What would the world be different by? But also he's characterized by being humble and open and lack of prejudice as he would carry the gospel to the Jews as well. Now we have a, another brother pair here, James and John. And more than likely any time you saw James and John in Scripture, uh, they're also mentioned together. In fact, they were in that inner circle. They were able to see the transfiguration of Christ. They were able to, to be in the garden when Jesus was praying And they're often probably described as the sons of thunder because they were brash and they were zealous and they were ambitious and they they were even vengeful at times because they were wanting to be on the right and left hand of Jesus and sent their mama to do their work. Don't seem like very bold men, do they? But by the end of John's life, as he is penning his gospel, he's given himself a new title, The Disciple Whom Jesus Loved. At first, I kind of thought, well, Johnny, are you being a little arrogant? Like, look, me, Jesus, I'm the disciple Jesus' slow. But isn't that every disciple? You ever think about just putting that title on you that Jesus just loves me? What a difference it is when we realize that Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you this way. He's about changing. He don't care about your past. He don't worry about what's present, but he's always talking about a future. And that's what he's called them to do. John is an example of what Jesus can do when somebody's willing to follow him. And use that zeal and ambition to stand up for God's truth to be able to do that. Next we come to Philip. If this podium don't keep going down, I'll be on a minute. Philip, he was more practical minded. He probably were more like to follow a spreadsheet or a balance sheet. And he had often that would limit him to a lack of spiritual insight. See, he was the one when Andrew brought the little boy. What's this going to do? You know, we're, we're uh, and I hope I'm not stepping out of place, Dr. Miss, Well, we're in a, a, a process of looking at the future and doing things for the future. And there's a lot of people, and I think uh, Ms. Carol said uh, Sunday about having managers and dreamers. And, and we need those together to be able to work that way. But people, you can't do church and you can't do God's work if you're always going to look at the bottom number or the bottom line because that ain't ain't God's, what He's working with. See, we see our physical eye, but the reality is He has all the resources. Is there anything that God cannot do? Doesn't it say the impossible becomes possible because of Him? Do Do you think in your life He's made a difference? And what did you think your life would be without Him? I could give you my resume right now and I could tell you of what I'd done and you probably wouldn't be very impressed. But, but I also knew who I was before I met Jesus. And if you would have told me when I was growing up, when I was the bully on the block, when I was the kid that they did let come to Sunday school, but he sat in a corner most of the time, but was going to be grow up and preach for 20 years in the ministry and travel around the world preaching the gospel, I'd said you were crazy. But then I met Jesus. And the difference came. You know, when when I was growing up, and and I apologize now if I stumble a little bit. I have a a physical disability. I have a high cleft in my mouth, so it takes me longer to form words. All through elementary, I would have to go to speech class. While the kids went outside, I knew there was something wrong with me. They was making me say words over and over. And I thought, what a waste of time. I need to be outside. So what does God do with a little rambunctious boy that can't speak right? He calls him to preach. Go figure. Go figure. I tell you, I, I, I ran from Jesus for a while because I was afraid he was going to call me to preach and he'd send me to Missionary be Africa. I've been pastor for 20 years and I've been to missions in Africa for 10 straight years. Go figure. God does the impossible. And that's why when somebody comes to us and we talk to them about who Jesus is, there's no life that can come to us and say, it won't make a difference. You have a story if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today. Nobody can tell it better than you about what the difference Jesus makes. And therefore, you become that living testimony of who He is. So don't let that bottom line stop you. Don't let what others have said about you. Don't let your limited thinking say what God can do. Because when He calls you, He's going to equip you. He's going to provide everything that you need to do it. Now, you think every one of these jumped up and said, I can't wait to go take the gospel around the world. I can't wait to preach and be put in jail or, or martyred. It was tough. They were real like me and you. But the difference was they learned that when they said yes to Jesus, He always provided the way. And when we can do that, we'll turn the world upside down, just as He turned us up down. Now, we have come up to Bartholomew, or as some is known as Nathaniel. Uh, he was a little prejudiced. In fact, when he first heard about Jesus, he said, Can anything good come from Nazareth? And then Jesus returns that to him. Say, ah, oh, look at here, Israelite where well, there is no guile. He turned that negative thing that he had said to him, and Jesus returned it with a positive. If you want to change the world, return a negative with a positive, and that will make a difference. But we don't know much about him, but yet he would become one of the leaders in doing that. He had to change his whole way he looked at other people. If we're all honest, we probably got a little bit of that in us, don't we? Somebody looks a little different. Somebody believes a little different than we believe. And I know for a while I had a lot of trouble, man. If people didn't quite have my salvation story, I was a little worried. You need to have, you need to have walked that aisle. You need to have come to the preacher. You need to, and all that. And and I wouldn't let God do what he wanted to in people's life for how long he wanted to do it. The same grace that I'm accepting, the same grace that I want, and God's given me, I've got to be willing to give it to everybody. So any life that I see is never out of the reach of who Jesus is. No matter my worst enemy, no matter the worst enemy in this world that desires to kill me or desires to stop me, mainly because of my faith, can Jesus not change them? I think we've heard testimony from this pulpit of, of how Muslims are coming to Christ in record numbers. Explain that. I'll tell you how. Jesus. So that's what we need to be about. And then last week, I mean not last, but we come to Thomas and what's his nickname? Doubting. That's a good another name to put with your name. He's like when Jesus rose from dead, surely I won't believe it till I see it, till I touch it. And then when Jesus came up to him and he, he knew that Thomas had doubted, what did he say? Look and see. You know, sometimes we think, boy, if we don't believe this quite right, well, Jesus is going to be mad at us or he's going to kick us out of the club or whatever. He knows exactly how we think and everything, and yet he comes to us and says, come on. Do you ever fop and think, why did Jesus want me? I hope we all do. I hope that grows as we realize just what a great God He is that calls us and a great Savior we have. But the reality, He calls it to change us. We're not to come to Him change because we cannot. So we must be careful of our pessimism or having doubts when it's overcoming that commitment. God calls you. It's not a mistake. He's got you ready to do something for Him. Then we come to Matthew and... He's the traitor of his nation. He's worse than thieves and prostitutes. But yet, he would be one primary to bring the ministry, the gospel, to that very nation. See, your past has no hindrance on what God can do for you. I want to share this list with you that I found some of the people that God used in the Bible. Noah got drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob lied Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses was a murderer and couldn't talk. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was a murderer and adulterer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. Mary Magdalene was a demon possessed. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. And Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was a murderer. And Lazarus was dead. What's your excuse? what's your excuse and again i'm not saying i i'm I'm leading the band here i'm just reminding you of what god does and i know what he's done for my life well these next three or just the next three james and thaddeus and simon we don't know much about them but yet they were willing to be willing to follow jesus And they didn't have an ego to make sure they were in some list somewhere or something, but they they were willing to simply follow Him. And they were willing to do what it is. See, we may look at our life sometime and may think we're obscure, unimportant. What part do we play? You know, when when I came to this church, um, I came from a town that doesn't have as many people that come to this church. So when I came in here, it's like, wow, look at all the people. What can I do? Where can I fit in to be able to do that? Because I used to be in, in a small place. But the reality is that God uses us everywhere. And you matter. You matter to what this church does. Your presence matters. Your gifts matter. You've been placed here for a purpose. And to do that purpose is always about bringing Jesus to show others He's the Son of God and the only Savior. Whatever that may be. And it's just as important in every position that we need somebody. Well, there's Judas. Do we need to say more? He was selfish, covetous. He robbed the treasury and denied Christ for those 30 pieces of silver. Maybe the greatest tragedy was that he lived with Jesus for three years and still turned his back on him. People, I don't know, maybe tonight's the first time you heard the gospel. I doubt it. But if is, is, you've got an opportunity to, to accept the gospel as well. This place and this time. Because He's always calling us to follow Him. The greatest failure that anybody will ever have will be unbelief. It will be turning their back on who Jesus is. on Saying He's not who He says He is. Because out with Him there is no hope. Without Him there's an eternity in hell. And without the presence of God and torment... And Jesus loves you too much to say, I'm going to let you go that way. So don't be a Judas and turn your back. I want to read these last verses before I close here over in 1 Corinthians. Just to kind of, I guess I could have just read these verses and it would have been my message. Because it tells us what kind of person that Jesus calls. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26-29. to 29, For you see your calling, brethren... How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, nor many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised. And hath God chosen, yea, in the things we are not, to bring not that things that are, that no flesh, should glory in its presence. See, the whole purpose is to take which the world says is useless and make useful. And that's what he looks at every life. There's no life that, that Christ ever looks at and goes, well, I can't use them. It's because of their past or because what they are now or what their future may be. Everybody. But you know, as much as I grab that to it, man, I really struggle sometimes. with also been willing when I look at people I don't like or looking at my enemies or somebody that's opposed to me and realizing that Jesus loves them just as much as me. And that life can be used if they turn their life to Jesus. I don't have a poem tonight, but I got three points I want to leave you with. The ability to serve God is not based on your abilities, but on God's ability. If you have an excuse tonight, is you're making it up. Because with God, there is no excuse. When He calls you to do that, then do it. The second thing is He can change you because you may look so, oh, you just don't know my past. You don't know my mouth. You don't know why I think. You don't know what I've done. No, I don't, but Jesus does and He still loves you and He can change you and He can use that in your life that may seem like negative and mold it to be something powerful for Him to carry the gospel out, empower you to serve Him. And last, you've got to be willing to commit and yield to the Holy Spirit. That's what these men said was they said, when Jesus said, Follow me, they said yes. And when it got going tough, and when things were hard, they still said yes. And when their own mind, they had an idea of how this should go. Have you ever went to God and told them, God, now this is the way you need to work in my life? I tend to do that a good bit. But what yielding to the Spirit is saying, although this makes no sense to me, Although I don't see how, although God, you're going to have to pull another Red Sea out of here. He's calling us and He says, if you yield to me, let my spirit go and not your spirit, then I will change you and I will use you to change the world. I think Jesus is still looking for some disciples, He's still looking for some followers. And guess what? You fit the bill. If you simply say, yes, Jesus, let's pray. God, we are grateful for this word that is alive. And I pray that, Lord, that everything was meant to be done by this word tonight that will be done. Lord, I pray for any here today.